Well, here we go. Are you ready? You're like, oh, for what? Uh, I want to ask you this morning, if you were not here last Sunday, if you've not received uh, one of these Lectio Divina journals, uh, and you would like one, they're totally free, and, uh, and, and we'd love to get one of these in your hand. If so, if you've not received one of these yet, would you raise your hand? One of our ushers will bring one down and, and get one to you. Okay, just keep your hands up. One won't make you stand like the youth. Wow, how embarrassing right? <laughs> no, you're all good. Less embarrassing than that cowboy's hat. Oh, sorry, Zach. Sorry, Zach. All right. These journals are, uh, we passed them out last week. Our theme for this year is God is. God is. And we're taking a whole year to ask the question, who is God? Who is God? I've been talking in the last couple of weeks about the fact that we are all theologians. You are a theologian. You're a theologian in this sense, that you have a perspective of who God is, that you understand to be God, God to be something or someone. And so uh, you've arrived at that conclusion, either through the word of God or through your experience or through your family experience. You've arrived at those conclusions. And anyone who asks the question, who is God, is a theologian. Now, there's a right way to do theology and there's a not right way to do theology. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here over the last couple of weeks, please go back and listen to those sermons because I'm resisting the urge to re-preach some of that, but we've got to get to this morning's message. But the last couple of Sundays, we've set the stage for this year uh, in, in asking this question, who is God? And then looking to his word to answer that question because it's the primary place we want to Turn. Now, God will speak to us and reveal himself, as we're even going to see this morning, through, uh, through creation, in our relationships. He's going to reveal himself in our experience, and even in our reasoning, God shows up in all of those places. But we have the gift of his word, which is the first place that we want to turn. These, these journals are simply a, a guide for the journey. They're a way to help uh, kind of keep us on track. And so uh, in each day, there's a Bible reading to do, and there's a place for reflection, a place to answer the question who God is, uh, to respond to that. There's instructions in that journal. Um, I know a number of you received them this, last Sunday, and I, my prayer, my hope is that you were blessed uh, by your time in the Word. And you're going to notice this morning, if you were reading, doing the readings through this past week, all of those passages that were in the journal this, this last week are part of the message today. And so, and, and really my hope and prayer is this, is that God would just affirm for you this morning the things that you discovered in his word. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. So God is, diving in this morning, God is awesome. God is awesome. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 15, Jesus is asking his disciples, uh, in, he's in Caesarea Philippi, and he asks the disciples, hey, who do the people say that I am? And they have a whole bunch of different answers for him. And then Jesus says, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I believe that God would, would press us to ask the same question, 
Who do you say that I am? Not your mom, not your dad, not your grandma, your grandpa, your pastor, or that, that guy or gal on the radio, or that book that you read. Who do you say that I am? And this morning, I want to declare to you that God is awesome. He is awesome. I hesitated to even use that word because I think it's really lost its meaning, right? Because we say awesome a lot. I say awesome a lot. Like, hey, I'll be there in five minutes. Awesome. <laughs> that ice cream was awesome. Yeah. No. <laughs> we even sing. Everything is awesome. No, we don't. <laughs> You're welcome. That will be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Everything is not awesome. It can't be awesome. Everything cannot be awesome. Even though Lego Movie would try to convince you otherwise, everything is not awesome. There is a weightiness, there is a weightiness to this word that I believe we need to recapture. That we need to understand the awesome of, awesomeness of God to, to look at him in such a way that we would be awestruck. Psalm 89, verse 5 through 14 by the way, the, the, the passages this morning are also available. The notes are available in the Thrive app. Uh, there's instructions in the seat back in front of you on how to access the, the, the app and download that. Or you can, if you already have it downloaded, these verses are listed there. Of course, there's also, in a quick reminder, there's place in the journal for sermon notes. Um, we've created place for you to be able to, to capture what God would be speaking to you. This is what the psalmist writes. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty. You, Lord, are mighty. Your faithfulness surrounds us. You rule over the surging sea. When, it, when its waves mount up, you still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain with your strong arm. You scattered your enemies. The heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon sing for joy at your name. Those are mountains. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. God is awesome. There's some things that the psalmist writes in here to describe his, his, his majesty, some, some attributes about who he is. I, I hope that in your reading this week, you, you captured some of those things that were written about him. It says that in the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who are the holy ones? Isaiah has this vision, this dream where he all of a sudden he's transported and he's in the presence of God. He's in this throne room and surrounding God's throne are the heavenly hosts and the saints 
who are worshiping him. In fact, what we were singing this morning, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of these, all of the, the, the heavenlies are, are declaring his praise and, and worshiping at his feet. And, and when we sing, by the way, our voices mingle with theirs to give praise to God. And it's just this majestic sight. It's the, they are the holy ones. They're the ones that are in the presence of God. And it says of them that he is greatly feared by them. When's the last time you thought about how, how you fear God? I think we've adopted a, per, a perspective of God that's very warm and fuzzy. And, and that's okay because there's a part of God that is very warm and fuzzy. He is our father he wraps his arm around us. He protects us, right? He strengthens us. We'll read even some of those verses. But at the end of the day, he is also to be feared. He is to be feared and not in a cowering kind of way. But when we understand the majesty and the awesomeness and the splendor of God, it should take our breath away. We should tremble before him because he is so magnificent. There's a word, transcendent. He is above all. He's beyond what we can ever imagine. Even the glimpse we get of him is just, it's just that. It's a glimpse. It's not the whole picture because the reality is we can't handle the fullness of God. One day we will get to gaze upon him in his fullness. But right now, he shows us himself to us in a way that we can actually grasp. And that's part of his goodness. God is awesome. So what does this word awesome mean? And put the definition up here. Awesome is this, causing or inducing awe. Awe. Your breath been taken away. Just being speechless, right? And so you see where we use the word awesome all the time, like, no, that, that wasn't that awesome. My breath was not taken away. I, I was not, it, it, it all was not induced in me. And in inspiring, and, oh, inspiring an overwhelming of fear, a uh, feeling of reverence, admiration, or fear. Reverence, admiration, or fear. Here's maybe some of the places where we'll feel awe, we'll, we'll feel the this, this sense kind of bubble up in us. Maybe at the beach or you see a, a wave like this one. Big old wave, right? I, I've been out in the ocean in some really big waves and, and it's awe-inspiring and, and no small amount of fear either. Anyone else ever been in the ocean and you, you like misjudged the waves? You're like, oh, I, I can do that. And then you get out there and you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> right? You go up to Mavericks in Northern California where these waves come in this time of the year. The storms shift, the, the ocean patterns shift, and these guys are riding, these gals are riding these waves that are 30, 40 feet tall. And you just stand and, it's, and, and, and you look at these waves and you just go, that is awesome. Or maybe this scene, looking at, at some mountains, a just giant valley. There's a glacier up in the background. We used to live up in Alaska, and, and, and you, you drive, you get this first view of, of Denali, of Mount McKinley, and it's, it just is awesome. 
to look at this massive, this landmass, this, this mountain, how high it extends. Mount McKinley actually generates its own weather. It's so huge that clouds are just sucked into its kind of into its vortex, whatever the, the technical term is. It's, it's incredible. It's awe-inspiring. Or how about this? Now, for those of you who've lived in California all your life, these are stars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, wait, there's a star, and then you realize it's a plane, right? You're like, oh, man, I feel cheated. <laughs> Again, we were, we were living in Alaska, and we had driven from Anchorage down to the Kenai Peninsula about three hours south of Anchorage, and uh, it was the middle of winter. We'd actually run out of firewood. Uh, we moved to Alaska, and I asked people, hey, where do you buy firewood? And they started laughing at me. And they were like, you, you live in Alaska, dude. You don't buy firewood. You go out, and you find a tree, and you cut it down, and you're like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, so we had run out of firewood because it was cold, and so we drove down to the Kenai Peninsula to a friend's property to go cut some wood, and uh, had the whole family in our truck. We had a big old truck because we lived in Alaska and we wanted to be rugged. And, uh, and we were driving home and it, was, it, was, it wasn't even that late at night, but the sun sets in the winter around 3.30 in the afternoon. And we uh, were on this mountain pass halfway between Kenai and Anchorage and there was nothing. There was just nothing. There's no light pollution. There was no air pollution uh, it was a night where there was no moon um, at all, no other cars on the road, and, and, and we're driving along, and, and, I'm, and I'm noticing how dark it is. And, uh, and so we pulled over, found a spot to pull over, and I turned the lights off on the truck. And it was like the kind of darkness where like, you can't see your hand in front of your face kind of darkness. And I, I got out of the truck and I looked up, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I saw a sky like this. In fact, that doesn't even begin to compare. I stood and I, I, I felt like the stars were in my face. And, and you know when you, you see a night sky where you can kind of pick out the stars, you're like, oh, there's a star and there's a star. There were so many stars, you couldn't even begin to focus on one. And, and I've never felt so overwhelmed in my life. The Milky Way and just the clarity. And, and standing in that place, I can, I can genuinely say I felt this in, incredible sense of awe. And as I stood there, I became very aware of how small I am. Just how small. In, in the scope and the magnificence of the universe, just to feel that, to go, ah, oh, this is awesome. And then to start thinking this, all of this exists because God spoke it into being. That the God of the universe, the creator of all things, at his word, all of that happened. God is awesome. The things that we look at and go, that's awesome. And God says, yeah, I know. I made it. I made it. God is awesome. In Romans 1:20, the apostle Paul writes, for since the creation 
of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, listen to this, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. One of the questions I get as a pastor from time to time is, well, if God loves people, what about the people who who never hear the gospel? What about the people in the jungles of wherever who are far removed and never hear? What about them? If they die and and, and never hear the gospel, are they going to go to heaven or are they going to go to hell? And it's a bit of a trick question, right? Kind of paints you in the corner a little bit. And I love what Paul says here. He says, listen, if you wake up in the morning and see the sunrise, you are without an excuse. If you look at the oceans, you are without an excuse. If you look at the mountains, you are without excuse. If you look at the people around you and understand that God has made us. I was, I was, I was thankful to be present for the birth of all four of my children. And every time I'm going, this is awesome. This is not happenstance. This didn't just come together all of a sudden. That God's handiwork is all over my kids, all over you, all over creation. And that God in his awesomeness is going, I want you to see me, to experience me, to understand me, to know me. His eternal power and divine nature are so magnificent that we can clearly see it, that we see him everywhere. Now, Paul writes, and if you read that passage, I included a larger section, and Paul in that passage in Romans 1 is, is bringing some correction, and he's saying, hey, there's people who try to suppress the truth, who try to deny that God is real, But how can you deny that God is real when you just look around, when you open your eyes and look at the world? That he has gone to great lengths to make himself known. And so what we need to do in our lives is we need to slow down. We need to find place to stop, to rest, to be quiet, to be still, and to gaze on the face of God. The word is to magnify, to magnify. See, because what happens is, is that our perspective gets so stuck on ourselves. What's going on in my life, what's going on in my circumstance, what I see right in front of me, the things that are pressing in my life. And we kind of do this like shout behind us, go, God, God, if you just jump in any, any moment, just jump in because I need your help here. And he's going, I want to help you, but I need you to stop for a minute and I need you to turn around and I need you to gaze on my glory and majesty. Not because God is needy. God is not needy. He doesn't need you to worship him. Can I say that again? God doesn't need you to worship him. But what he does is he gives us the opportunity because when we magnify God, when we glorify him, when we gaze on his face, all of the other things in our lives just kind of melt away. 
all of the other things in our lives will start to make sense. All of the other things in our lives will diminish. The Bible says that the hills, the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And so what we need to do is to stop and say, God, everything is out of focus in my life. And to turn and face him and, and gaze on his, his majesty, not even that we would get anything out of it, but because he is awesome and worthy of praise. We use the word magnify, of course, like for magnifying glass in a small setting or a microscope or how about a telescope? We have the Hubble telescope that, that, that looks into space deep into space. And I read an article a couple of weeks ago. There was an intern that went to a high schooler who went to go and intern with NASA for a summer. And within three days of being there, and, and I don't know what he was doing. I guess his project was to look at all of these star charts and stuff. And he found a new planet. High schooler found a new planet. And everyone was like flipping out. They've never had a, a high school intern find a planet, let alone on his third day. And you know, they're figuring out what to name this planet. And, 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 and they found this planet because they have this giant telescope that now can like look way out into the universe, into the galaxy and identify these places. And God goes, yeah, I made that. I already knew about that. And so we magnify things that are far away so we can bring them close. And it fills our perspective, our gaze. We magnify God because what we do sometimes we lose sight and what we have to turn is look at him and, and bring him close so that all we see, all that we're surrounded by is his presence, by his majesty, by his goodness. We need to make him large in our view in order for everything else in our lives to make sense, to, to have perspective. God is immense. He's immense. Listen to what David says. First Chronicles 29. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Whatever you think you have belongs to him. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Listen to those words. Everlasting, greatness, power, glory, majesty, splendor, exalted, ruler, strength, glorious. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. King of kings, Lord of lords, eternal one. Jacques said it, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The lamb that was slain, he is everything. Everything. That nothing in creation exists apart from him and he holds the world together. 
that he is in control. That's awesome. And this is David, by the way, who didn't have microscopes and telescopes. All he could do is get up in the morning and look at the world around him and understand God is amazing. God is awesome. I love, by the way, that David declares this in the assembly. This wasn't something that David just did quietly in a quiet place. I'm going to have my quiet time with Jesus and have my quiet time with the Lord. God, you're just awesome and you're wonderful and you're majestic. No, he declared these things in public, in the assembly for everyone to hear. God, you are worthy of praise. Church, can I tell you, before we press into a year of saying, well, what is God in my life? Who is God to me? We have to stop and just say, God, you are awesome. You are altogether separate. You are something completely just other than. And you are worthy of every ounce of praise that I can bring before you. Before we ever make the gospel or the the word of God something to be utilitarian in our lives, that we have to stop and consider that he is the author of all things and worthy of praise. John 1, 1 through 5, John writes, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that we sang these words this morning. That your light shines in the darkness. John writing here, because we've read in the Old Testament, but now we read in the New Testament about Jesus, who is the Word. That's why that Word is spelt with a capital W, that He is speaking of the person of Jesus, and He says that Jesus was there in the beginning, that He was present at creation, that He is God, and that He was a part of what was happening when the world was formed, when everything came to be, and that nothing has been created that has been created apart from what He has done. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is God. And Jesus has made everything. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of honor. But we get a glimpse here, an understanding of the heart of God. We start seeing this aspect of the nature of God as we ask the question, what does this passage tell us about the nature and the character of God? Well, we see immediately that Jesus is eternal, that he is creator, that he is over all things. Yet, he extends himself to us. That the light shines in the darkness. That Jesus was obedient to the Father to come to his creation. The majestic creator, the Lord of all, that he would extend himself and say, I'm going to bring my light into the darkness so that mankind would have light and life. 
And I love this, the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. That light will never be overcome by darkness. Jesus was present at the beginning. God is awesome. The Father is awesome. Jesus Christ is awesome. The Holy Spirit is awesome. And I would encourage you, I would say there should be some point of every day where you just stop and go, God, you are awesome. In the midst of pain and sorrow, God, you are awesome. In the midst of the joys and the victories, to stop and say, God, you are awesome. We live life on fast forward sometimes. And we're just going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And he's inviting us to stop and say, would you gaze upon my glory and my majesty? Would you worship me? Would you speak praise to my holy name? Not because it does something for him, though he, he loves it when we praise him but because it does something in us. It brings transformation. I've mentioned the last couple of weeks that when we gaze on the face of God, when we stand in the presence of God, we will be transformed. That He will change us. He will will completely reshape us and reform us. And He's committed to doing that work in us. Isaiah 43, Isaiah, the one who had that vision of being in the presence of God. And when he had that vision, he, he opens his eyes and he sees God and his declaration is, woe is me, I am undone. I am undone, I've got nothing to offer. I am broken and I am dirty and I'm a mess. He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. That when we stand in the glory and the majesty and the perfection of who God is, that we'll start just seeing all of the things in our own lives that don't align. And God doesn't do that to condemn us. It becomes an invitation to engage with Him. And the voice of the Father says to Isaiah, who will go? And he touches his lips with the coals and he cleanses him. And that same Isaiah then writes in 43, verse 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Listen to this. Before me no God was formed. Nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. That I am God. The Lord speaks of himself through the prophet and says, there is no other God. There is no other way. There is no other alternative. There is no other Savior. There was no God formed before me, and there will be no God that is formed after me. There is one God. Right. 
There is only one God. And have you noticed that in the world we live that this is up for debate? That this point is up for debate. Well, God comes in different forms. That God reveals himself through trees, not in the way that we understand it. Because the God, is not, God is not the tree. His glory is displayed through what he has made. But not to be confu- confused to say, oh, that is God. No. The Bible talks a lot about idolatry and, and engraving, you know, engraving things or carving idols out of things that God has made and then saying, this is my God. That this question is debated, it's up for debate, who God is, or there's many different ways that God comes through all of these different religions. And the reality is, is at the end of the day, there is only one true God. There is only one true God. And it is His great pleasure to reveal Himself to His creation. I've said before that God is not playing some cosmic game of hide and seek. That he came to us. That he made himself known to us. He says, I chose you so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. That he is making himself known. You ever been told something and then you don't want to believe it even though you know it's true? Anyone? We hear things or we'll ask questions. I know when I was a kid, I would ask questions. Well, what about this? And I'd get the answer and be like, I don't like that answer. <laughs> well, whether you like the answer or not doesn't make it any tr- less true. The truth is the truth. We don't get to pick and choose that for ourselves. And so God says, I've chosen you to reveal myself to you so that you would know that I am God, that there is no other God, that I am He but I want you to know me. Can I tell you as, as awesome as mountains and, and stars and waves are, what blows me away is this, that the God of the universe, the creator of all things who spoke the world into being would say, I've chosen you. I want you to know me. Church, That is awesome. That is awesome. That God would want to walk with me and talk with me and want me to be engaged with him in such a way that there would be relationship. This is the same God who stands alone, who is everlasting, who who has all of the greatness, all of the power, all of the glory, or all of the majesty and splendor, who is exalted, who is the ruler over all things, who holds the world in the palm of his hands, and he says, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. Our desire as a church, our mission as a church is this, that people would thrive in Christ by knowing God, by knowing God. And then there's a bunch of other stuff that comes after that, but it starts there, that we would know God. And the only way we can know him is because he has made himself known. That is awesome. And he is worthy to be praised. I would encourage you as we continue this journey this year 
as we press into the word, as you read through these passages, as, as you journal upon them, uh, on them, and as you ask the questions about who God is, and, and he brings about revelation in, his, in your life, because we cannot know God without a revelation of who he is. He has to reveal himself to us. As we press in, would you contend, would you make sure that, that, that as you continue in this journey, that every day that you would just stop and, and consider the awesomeness of God, that you would magnify him in your life, that you would magnify him in your home and in your relationships, that you would be like David and declare his majesty in front of the assembly now, I'm not saying get up on a chair at work, all right? Can I just tell you how awesome God is? He is worthy of praise. They will have security escort you out. I can do that at my workplace, but you, you probably can do that. I do, and everyone's like, praise Jesus, it's awesome. But you can do that in your relationships as you're having conversations with people. Hey, how's your week going? Oh, man, can I just tell you how awesome God has been in my life? And let's recapture the, the weightiness and the value of that word. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but the word awesome, when you look at the root of that word, it's, it's rooted in fear. The root of awesome comes out of fear. It's why we also have the word awful, Right? We don't use everything is awful. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe at times we feel like that. <laughs> but there is this part of us that should just, when we consider the majesty of God, that something inside of us should just quake in his presence as we gaze on his majesty and his beauty, on his splendor. And then to be able to declare, he's awesome and he's to be feared, but he's my God. And he loves me. Let's stand together. I invite the worship team to come up. I want to invite you to bow your heads. Just close your eyes this morning as we close. We're going we're gonna to sing Waymaker one more time. But I want to ask this morning, maybe, maybe this morning in this place, as you're hearing these things about who God is, Maybe you're realizing, I, I, don't, I don't know God that way. I don't know God that way. Maybe your understanding of who God is and what you've grown up around or grown up in is, is something different. And I tell you, the awesome, majestic, incredible Savior of, and creator of all things is present this morning and he is reaching his hand out to you. So with every eye bowed, eye closed and every head bowed this morning, just to give privacy. If that's you and you would say, Pastor Barry, I want to know God that way. I want to have that kind of relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'll tell you this morning, he's, he's inviting you to know him. He's going over the top, putting out, pulling out all the stops to say, I want you to know me. And it's just as simply as saying, yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. If that's you this morning, you'd say, I want to know God that way. Would you just raise your hand so I can agree with you?
Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Awesome. I see that hand. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. That God would extend himself, that he would give this invitation, invite us into relationship with him, and give us the place to be, be able to respond. Can we pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I invite you to be the Lord of my life, the King of my life, the ruler of all that I am. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and I commit to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage for those that raised their hand this morning, if you've not been baptized in water, Jason mentioned we have a baptism service coming up in a, in a few, few weeks. Um, it's a great next step. David declared the glory of God in the assembly. He did it in pub public. He made a public declaration of who God was in his heart. And I want to invite you, if you've not been baptized in water, we're going to have a baptism service right here on a Sunday morning. Um, fill, out, fill out a connect card or you can stop by the welcome table uh, and talk to me or Pastor Abby and we'd love to get you signed up for, for that baptism service. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven rejoices when someone makes a decision to follow God. God is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing this morning. Lord, this morning we thank you. We praise you. Can we just speak? Would you just in your own words, would you speak glory and praise and honor to the Lord this morning? Would you tell him how awesome he is? God, you are so good. You are worthy of praise. Majestic. Full of splendor. We glorify you. God, we honor you in this place. We honor you in our lives. We magnify you, Father God. We thank you that you who made all things spoke the heavens into being, that you are present with us, that you have gone to great lengths to make yourself known to us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.